All right, all you future podcasters out there, let me tell you about something you need to be aware of. I've been looking for different platforms to put my podcast into, and it's kind of confusing. There's a lot out there, a lot of them that charge you, but I found something that you need to hear. There's a platform called Anchor. Now, you need to understand, this one is free. There's no monthly fees, no yearly fees, no fees of any sort, no sign-up fees. It is free. Now, the best thing about it is that it's free and it comes with so many different tools. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now, then one of the other neatest things is that Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. All you do is upload your podcast. Anchor handles all the rest. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. First podcast you put up, you can start making money. Now, it's everything you need to have in one place to make a podcast. So, pay attention to this part. It's very important. Go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M or download the free Anchor app to get started. episode of the KJV Bible study. We're continuing our lessons through the book of John today, and we're going to be reading chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. So, if you have your Bibles ready, go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 through 14. We'll cover some of the material we've already read and then concentrate on our lesson today. John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, verse 14. 
and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with us today as we look through this verse. Such great truth here. A very familiar verse to many Christians, but one that we need to take time and really look at. See what you have here for us. Dear Father, we ask that you be with everybody who listens to this podcast, Lord. If they're saved, Lord, we ask that you uh, use this lesson to grow us closer to you. That we may know you more and that through knowing you, that we may love you more and understand your love for us. Dear Lord, if there's anyone who listens to this podcast that is not saved, I ask that you use this lesson to uh, penetrate their heart, to soften their heart, to be able to understand that you are loving, that you understand us, Lord, and that you are a God worth following and knowing, and that I pray that they would make a decision to follow you, Lord Uh, before it is everlasting too late. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So today we're going to look at John chapter 1, verse 14. I'll read it one more time. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we begin the verse where it says, and the word was made flesh. Notice here, this is the last time in John that we're going to see this word, word, capitalized. Notice in verse 14 that it says, and the word, and and word here is capitalized. Well, that's very specific and used as a title for Christ in reference to God. We won't see this word used like this through John anymore because it has transferred from the word to Jesus Christ. If you recall our last lesson, we talked about how this prelude in John was was transforming from something that was true and it's real, but it wasn't something that we could put our hands on, that we could visualize, that we could see. And this prelude is transferring to now from the invisible to the visible. So this is the last time we're going to see that. Notice it also says that in the uh, verse 1, if you recall, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same title of Christ. Notice in verse 14 that it says, And the Word became flesh. Well, for something to become something else, it must have existed prior to that next step. It doesn't say, and the flesh became word. Man was not here before God was. God was here and created man. God has been ever existent, and the word became flesh. Now, last time we met again, we talked about this transition in this prologue that we've been talking about from the invisible to the visible. Well, now this transition is complete in verse 14. The word 
was made flesh. So when we talk about flesh, what are we referring to here? Well, one author I found put it this way, quote, flesh is the most vulnerable, the most corruptible, the most destructible part of the human body. In a word, the most impermanent. The Logos, God, is eternal. They are literally poles apart. So for God to become flesh, he had to bring himself down to us in a form that we could understand him better. The fact that the word was made flesh means that the word was made human. Flesh and bones. Blood, born of a woman. He went through all the growing stages of life from infant to adulthood. Experienced all the pain and sorrows. Experienced everything that every one of us has as we have gone through those seasons of life. Our God understands us. Oh, he understood us at creation. He knew that we were going to sin. He knew that we were going to turn our back on him. But we needed to know that he was a approachable God. And don't you know that you can always approach somebody who understands you better? Doesn't it seem that to be the case? Good friend a family member who you spend a lot of time with that knows you that knows what you um, that knows what you fear that knows what you're afraid of that knows your temptations that knows how to encourage you that knows when to just put their arms around you and provide comfort our God, because he experienced those seasons of life, knows how to do all those things for us. Now, Strong's defines the word flesh used in John 1.14 as, among other things, the body, or as the symbol of what is external, or as the means of kindred, or human nature, or a human being. Yet, in becoming flesh, the Word does not cease to be God. Our God didn't change by becoming flesh. No, He just became flesh. He was still God. The Word is not changed, but the Word does now exist in the flesh. Notice in the above definition of flesh where it said the body as opposed to the soul or the spirit. The soul and the spirit are the same. It's just the vessel that we can see that changed. The word is not changed, but the word does now exist in the flesh. Thus, the Christian doctrine of incarnation. This doctrine is what separates Christianity from all other religions as a means of salvation. Our God dwelt among us in the flesh, lived a sinless life, was crucified and rose from the dead, the basis of Christianity. On the other hand, many, even Christians, take this um, humanity of Jesus and this deity of de Jesus, and they take it to two extremes. 
In the early church, there were those who said that Jesus was merely a great teacher, a prophet, who had been adopted by God to a higher, more exalted status. Similarly, some today deny the miraculous element in the Gospels and portray Jesus as a teacher of wise sayings who never claimed to be anything more than a rabbi. But when the early Christians reflected on Jesus' life, they realized that they had been in touch with a reality and a power that could only be accounted for as the presence of God himself in our midst. As we continue through the lessons in John, we're going to see example after example of what I believe God is telling us that Christ was God. There are many that say and proclaim to have read the Holy Bible and say nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus proclaim to be God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's just not true. And we're going to see those examples, and we're going to point those examples out as we go through these lessons. Jesus is God. He clearly points it out. Scripture clearly identifies himself as God. God could only do the things that Christ did. God could only say the things through Christ that he did, that he taught us. On the other hand, some people have gone to this opposite extreme. They've lifted up Jesus' deity to such an extent that they've minimized his humanness. In the second century, some of the Gnostics held to a view that Christ, where they taught that Jesus did not have, he wasn't even a real human body, that he only appeared to be human. However, the Jesus we met in the Gospels is entirely human, and well is completely divine. He knows what it is to experience hunger, thirst, weariness, grief, agony. He knows all of those feelings that we have encountered. He was a real human, in real human form. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly upon the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, Jesus understands us. He understands our weaknesses. He understands our frailties. He sits at the right hand of God, understanding us, and thus forgives us when we trust in him. As verse 16 says in Hebrews, Therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6, 6 through 11 says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now going back to John chapter 1, verse 14, the next part of the verse states, And dwelt among us. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Again, let's look at Strong's and look at how they define the term dwelt. It is to tent or encamp, that is to occupy, or specifically to reside, as God did in the tabernacle of old, a symbol to protection and communion. Dwelt would have reminded the readers of John's Jewish readers of the tabernacle. If you have your Bibles with you, let's flip over to the book of Exodus, Genesis. Exodus is right after Genesis, specifically chapter 25. I'm going to read real quickly verses 1 through 9. Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 through 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart, ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall of them gold and silver and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red and badger's skins and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for anointing oil and for sweet incense onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof even so shall ye make it and they shall make an ark of shittim wood two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof and a cubit and a half the breadth thereof and a cubit and a half the height thereof and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold within and without thou shalt overlay it and shalt make upon it a crown of gold round about and thou shalt cast four rings of gold for it and put them in the four corners thereof and two rings shall be in the one side of it, and two rings in the other side of it. And thou shalt make staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put the staves into the rings by the sides of the ark, that the ark may be born with them. Now look again, Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. Our God has always looked to be a part of us. He doesn't want to sit up in heaven, and he very well could, can't he? He's God. He can do whatever he wants. He could sit above us and rule from his mighty throne. But he's always sought to have a relationship with us. Now, in Old Testament times, specifically in the times of Exodus, he wanted to dwell among us and he instructed them to build this tabernacle so that he had a way to dwell among us in a holy way, that we could come to him properly. 
God made his residence at that time in the tabernacle and temple. But now he made his residence in the flesh of Jesus Christ, living through him. Now back in John, flip back over back to John. Chapter 1, again, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the Father. Full of grace and truth. We beheld is described what can be seen or touched. This was not some metaphysical image or spirit. No, this was God in the flesh. All human. All God. One author I found put it this way. Quote, glory is the manifestations of God's being, nature, and presence in a manner accessible to human experience. Full of grace and truth, grace is not receiving a penalty or judgment for something that you deserve. But doesn't truth have to come first? You've got to believe in that truth before you can receive that grace and mercy. If I have done someone wrong and they never find out about it, well, they're not showing me grace by not acting upon what they do not know. God can't show us grace if we don't truthfully go before him and ask for forgiveness. This verse in John 1.14 sums up the entire Christian experience. The fact that God, the Word, was here before us, the creator of all. The fact that Word was made flesh, was made a man, was all man, yet all God, dwelt among us, living as a full human, experiencing all the pains and seasons of life. Yet he never sinned. He never succumbed to temptation. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That is, we are truthful with him. And we believe in him. He offers us grace by full salvation from an eternal judgment. And all he asks of us is to believe. And to believe in the truth. That's all he asks. Jesus was as real to the disciples as you and I are real now to each other as you're hearing my voice. I believe sometimes as we read scripture, we read these, what I like to term accounts, and we phrase them many times as stories, and we lose the fact that these are historical accounts of real people with real experiences. They have real testimony that felt the pains just as we do. These aren't just some names on a page. No, they're real people who experienced God alongside them. How powerful is that? When you read scripture, do you take it as if you're reading history or do you read it as if you're reading some fictional story and you're like you know what that's a good story there's a there's a uh, 
a moral to that story. No, there's more to the morals to these stories, to these accounts. We hear these stories in Sunday school and we teach our kids the story of David and Goliath and the great flood and Noah's Ark and Jonah and the whale. And the fact is that these were real events. The Bible is very clear on it. If we start taking these real events and we start putting a metaphor to all of them, well, you water down the rest of Scripture. The fact is, is that God dwelt among us. Scripture said so. That's truth. There can only be one truth, folks. Now, there are other religions and other people that might teach otherwise, but for it to be truth, there's only one factual truth. Everything else is an untruth. Everything else is a heresy. The truth is, is that God dwelt among us. He wanted a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you now. And all he wants is for you to believe in him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. As we take just a few moments, looking specifically at John 1, 14, but what deep truth there is there for us, Lord. You want to know us. You want to have a relationship with us. And all, all you ask of us is that we believe. It's that simple. That we believe. But that we believe in such a way that convicts our hearts to want to follow you. I pray that anybody listening to this that doesn't know you as their Savior does so as soon as possible. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, real quickly, I uh, told you last episode that we were going to start a email address for the KJV Bible study. And I'm, what I'm interested in is your experiences, your reviews, maybe even your prayer requests. I'll pray for you, first names only, on air. And I think, you know, the power of prayer is real. And the more people we can have praying for your situation, the, the uh, it more, greater impact that it will have. God promises that. So, if you have pencil and paper, I'll give you that email address. It's going to be kjvstudy at yahoo.com. That's kjvstudy at yahoo.com. Also, be uh, if you want to send us an email with your reviews, maybe a question theologically or in regards to Scripture, and we'll try to take that time to answer those questions. We'll get our lessons done, and then maybe have some time every few episodes to where we answer some of those questions. The Bible's a deep book. There's a lot in it. And all we have to do is study to be able to get those truths. It's a simple book. But we'll go through it together and we'll learn and we'll grow closer to God together. Everybody be well and we'll see you next episode. Amen.